0: You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Our guest today is Andrew Dart, navigator and people leader at Vita and just an all-around delightful human and stand-up guy who we all love. Prior to joining Vita, Andrew spent 10 years leading people in the tourism industry and successfully built high-performing workplace cultures through a few acquisitions. Vita is one of our companies owned by Scaling Culture host Ron. Vita is on a mission to revolutionize affordable communities, providing safe, secure, affordable rental suites for residents to call home. So this is a special episode as we'll be diving into our own culture and we'll uncover some of the best people and culture practices we use internally. This episode, we take a look in the mirror at our own culture and share some of our top tips. In this episode of Scaling Culture, Ron and Andrew will discuss culture-driven interview and recruitment process, how to drive autonomy and flexibility in the hybrid workplace, the most effective communication systems at Vita, and best practices on how to keep your core values alive.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett. And today, all the way from Halifax, Nova Scotia, our first guest from Halifax, Nova Scotia, I have the pleasure of introducing a friend and colleague, Mr. Andrew Dart. Andrew, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Ron. It's great to be here. You know, I'm an avid listener of the podcast, so it's cool to
1: be on the other side for once. Thanks for Thanks. having me. No, look, we're super excited to have you. And for those who don't know, and there'll be a lot that don't, Andrew is a colleague. Andrew's been working for just over a year at Vita, and Andrew's in the role of a navigator people leader, which really, if I had to explain that, um, Andrew leads our frontline team, and so he hires, holds accountable guides, and navigates them through the organization, and so, Andrew, how big's that team that you lead now? Uh, give or take a few bodies, probably
2: somewhere Around forty to forty-five team members,
1: forty to forty-five. I love that, and I want to. I I, want to make sure we come back to that. And you know how ADHD I can be, so we have to come back to that because I think when people hear that, they're like, "How is that possible? How could you lead that group of people?" And I want to get back to that because I think that's important. But the intent today was just to have uh, Andrew on and talk about his experience. I, I know during the podcast, I talk a lot about the things that we do. I learn a lot of things, and so Andrew. I feel like, and you know this too, sometimes I get off a podcast and we'll jump on a call and say, hey, let's, let's implement now, you know, I get to, yeah, yeah, I get to, we get to learn so much as an organization. And so I always, you know, some listeners said, tell, you know, I'd be curious to see what's happening in the organization. So I thought no better guest than you, Andrew, uh, to talk about that. So Andrew, just give, give, you've been introduced Maddie did a wonderful introduction before we started, but give us a flavor of who you are, just high-level snapshot, Andrew Dart.
2: Yeah, so I'd say high-level, I'm a, you know, I'm a relationships first person, Um, I would say both in my personal life and in my professional life, Uh, so to me, family, friends, the absolute top of the list for me, Um, I've always been that way, Um, so I really do uh, enjoy spending time with people um you know spending time with my family my my wife Brenna and my daughter Penelope whether it's going on vacations going to you know see events things like that and I think in addition to that if I were to go one step below I'm a sports guy through and through and I think you and I have that in common so you know everything from you know the major four sports to the most obscure Olympic events I, I'm here for it so I would say um yeah, at, at a high level, that's who I am—a very family and friend-oriented person, um, both in and outside of work—and and a sports fanatic.
1: C- couldn't agree more. Uh, couldn't agree more. And and a great guy, by the way, really great guy. Andrew is. Couldn't just...
2: couldn't really say that myself.
1: That's right. I'm going to do that for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, Andrew's got great energy. He is just um, Andrew is the most compassionate. Um, really empathetic. Uh, one of the best listeners I've ever met really understands people has a high EQ. Um, and so it brings a lot of value to our company. And so, Andrew, thank you for that. I appreciate it. And I, but I want to go back to the, the, the interview because you were introduced by a friend, Sean Buckland and, and you were not in a people leading was a part of what you did, but that wasn't what you did.
2: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, um, I you know, I, I had a title that might make you think. I, I was very uh, involved in in leadership, but um, the reality was I was in a um, family run business. Um, and although I was the director of sales and I, I had a lot of responsibility, um, it was a very small team. Um, so uh, I think in total, five people that I would oversee as a director. So quite uh, quite a small team. But were you um, also
1: responsible for sales, Andrew? That was part of your role too. It was really sales focused, correct or not?
2: Absolutely. That, that was probably the most important, or I guess consumed the majority of my time was um, a sales focused role um, with a lot of our, not just account management with our largest customers, but also uh, seeking out new business opportunities as well.
1: So, You know, when the interview started, and by the way, it started very informally, you know, I always, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast, which is, you know, having people in your virtual bench. And to me, we didn't have an ad running at the time. Andrew was someone I was adding, hoping to add to the virtual bench, which meant, hey, here's our company. Here's what we do. Here's some potential opportunities. Would you be interested if there was an opportunity? And, and you know the answer from Andrew was yes, I'd I'd consider this. I'd be open to it. He was, I'll call it Andrew, I'll say you were satisfied at your job where yeah, you were previously, right?
2: Absolutely. Um, and I really wasn't actively looking, um, which was sort of made the whole situation unique. I mean, I was more or less really happy with with what I was doing. I, I had worked for, you know, the the same company through a few ownership groups for Uh, I guess, in excess to 10 years. Um,
1: So clearly was happy. I, and I enjoyed my, my time there for sure. And so, so, so yeah, again, the virtual bench doesn't mean someone who's unemployed looking for a job. Just what Andrew said, this is about you meet people, people send you leads and you just have that conversation. Here's what we do. If there was something that, that, um, that would be interesting to you, would you be open to a conversation? And so we just fast track that. Let's go back to the interview, Andrew, you and I, had a few conversations, What? because I want to talk to you about the interview process and break it down in steps, because it was my, my recollection, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, was you and I talked, we sent a book for you to read, then we, you know, you and I probably talked again, then, then you talked to the team, then the building ambassadors, and then we're hired, correct?
2: Yes, absolutely, and it was, I would say, the most unique, um, and that's sort of what caught my attention, the unique Most unique interview process I had ever gone through. Um, And you're right, it started casual. You and I having a few phone conversations, um, just sort of some initial um, discussions on, you know, what Vita was all about, um, sort of learning about the business and about the culture. Um, And and that was sort of what kicked it off. I received the book. It it was really cool because I felt like I got to know you a little bit before getting into any type of formal interview process. And from there i i would say gosh there was probably five total interviews after that right, so right you know i kept thinking after this one there's just going to be one more and then there'd be another two but in, That's in right. hindsight i think it was really important how it was done
1: and so this was all during the pandemic this was all on zoom correct we didn't even meet in person i don't think correct right yeah. cuz a lot of people you know i think have changed their practices and i was talking about this with someone the other day and i said we actually move faster in a shorter period of time because you could on Zoom. it wasn't come to me and then other people have to come to the office or you know and so that made it a lot easier for us but I want to go back to the book for a sec because we we continue to do that I believe that the book outrageous empowerment which is a it's a short read it's a fun story you know I think we can, can I can confidently say that that that's a filter and and what I mean by that is the intent behind that is, are you actually going to pick it up and read? That's, that's part of the screening process. Do you even care? If you don't, you're probably not interested. But once you do, in most cases, that either attracts or detracts a little bit. It kind of says, wow, that's really interesting. I, I get overall the theme of what's going on here, the decentralization and empowerment. I'd, I'd, I'd always wanted this, or I'd like to be a part of it, or it's too weird. I don't want to, that's not for me. Would that be accurate?
2: Yeah, and, and to be honest, For me, I was drawn to it like I had never, you know, when when talking to a business owner, I'd never gone through that, you know, unique of a story. So to me, like I read it it probably in two nights. And and I think you're true to your word when you say it's it's a bit of a filter, because in many conversations following that, you would reference the book and it would be very obvious had I not read it. And I think it was easy to open up dialogue, uh, not just about the business, but just you know regular conversation based on some of those principles, which I thought was really cool because I thought to myself, Thank God I actually read it because, right. because it would be pretty obvious if I didn't right
1: now. <laughs> Hugh Gooday, who I'm calling out, had still not read that book. Hugh, yeah. you, if you're listening, you need to read the book. <laughs> um, so, um, so, so yeah, so then you started to interview with the team because we at that point actually we had we did have an ad out and there was comp- there was folks that were competing, we had a few folks competing. And talk about the interview process, and then we'll end with the BA part. But, but what was your thoughts when you said it was different? What did you like? What did you dislike? How was it different than a typical interview you'd seen? To me, I think what like my
2: immediate thought to that is it didn't seem stiff and forced. Um, it felt like, you know, and credit to you, you did a great job of sort of setting the tone that this is going to be you know, an informal open discussion. And I think what that did was it allowed me to open up and be myself as opposed to just trying to, you know, a lot of interview processes, it's like somebody reading from a clipboard and you kind of want to have your canned response and go through, you know, what do they want to hear? Whereas I felt like through our interview process, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to think what you wanted to hear. I was genuinely just answering the questions, how I felt or, you know, how I truly, um you know, wanted to be both as a person and as, as a member of, of the team. So I felt like that, that number one was the biggest change was it It was informal. And I feel like we quickly got to the root of who I was versus just, you know, the clipboard type answers.
1: And it probably did the other side of things. I'm imagining it got to the root of who other people were. If you say, I either don't really want to work with these people or I do, this is who these people really are.
2: Very, very true. That was a constant theme. And, and I think it was repeated by, numerous team members it was you know we're not just trying to make sure that this is the right fit for vita but we want to make sure it's the right fit for you and i think that was very clear um, throughout the process and i was asked more than once you know how i felt about that how did i how did that aspect of the company or the role make me feel and i think it was clear from the outset it was about a two-way street as opposed right. to
1: one side just trying to you know screen mm-hmm. the other absolutely and then you know, one of the things, and I believe this is a best practice, and we'll continue to do it is, you know, we're a flat organization. And we always look at things as support versus report, even though there's an accountability piece, of course. But this role was to support our building ambassadors, our frontline, um, our front, frontline part time team members, right? For the most part. And so I always look at the business and say, you know, it's not fair and it doesn't make sense that we would hire someone and then introduce you know, that, you know, our frontliners to their new boss without them not participating in the process. To me, I, most people don't do it. They think they think it may be a silly or way too unorthodox. I just think it makes total sense. When we started doing that back in the security business, I wouldn't veer from that because they would ask questions um, that I wouldn't ask or the, the management team wouldn't ask. And so what were your thoughts when you heard you were going to be Um, interviewed by people that essentially you were going to hold accountable for their jobs. Did did it throw you off? What did you think? I was oddly the most nervous for that because I didn't really know
2: what to expect. It was an unknown for me. I had never been interviewed by frontline staff before. So I really didn't know what I was walking into. Um, But I think it was a lesson learned for me. And I think that, you know, it comes back to what you said, why wouldn't you have, those people interview the potential applicants because that's who needs the support that who is who needs the coaching so very quickly thinking back I can remember um, one of our building ambassadors Sandra just having a scenario and in, in, in talking through it right away which I felt like having that perspective of you know those building ambassadors who live it day in and day out was critical in and not just for screening myself but it also gave me a pulse on the role. I was able to quickly see, you know, I'm not just hearing from you or, or whomever. These are the people that are doing that every day. They're the ones who are waking up in the morning and living this frontline role. So it's a, you know, a lesson learned for me being able to see, okay, this is exactly what happens. These are the, you know, the attributes that are important. These are um, the people that are living this life. So I thought kind of two way street was quite interesting.
1: That's great. And I remember specifically, and I've told this story multiple times, but all the interviews were recorded, so we could watch. You know, if I wasn't part of an interview, I could watch it. I could listen to it like a podcast to pick it apart and and think if there was a follow up question I wanted to ask. And so we always do that. Um, but in that specific interview with three building ambassadors, you had Sandra, Kyla. Who's the third? Do you remember? I think Brenda was the third. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so during that. Um, we wanted them to give you specific kind of real-life case study. And I remember it was from Sandra, who we had talked about an issue between two customers. And um, the question was, you know, okay, here's the background. You know, here's, you know, the current situation. How would you deal with that? And I remember Sandra posting that question because I had watched the video. And I was the one who dealt with that issue. And I went in, I made Sandra told me that what was going on. I called the customers directly, blah blah blah, and, and dealt with it. And it was dealt with. And I don't even remember if it was good or bad. And so when we presented that, you had said, look, what I would do is I would support you, Sandra, because she was the one dealing with. I would support you. I'd make sure that you know, were you comfortable with the conversation? Did you need to be me to be there? Let's prepare, let's put a game plan in and go at it. And I was like, Oh my goodness. I, I can't believe it. I talk about this. And I stole that person's learning. And Andrew leadership me on that move. I mean, I was just really impressed. And to me, that was the moment I was like, he beat me, he needs to be hired. You know, I just loved it. Um, You know, what are your thoughts as I as I go back in time on that? I don't know if you remember that conversation.
2: I do, because I remember being very, very nervous, because I knew it was in my leadership experience, I knew that was the right approach. Like, you know, I could have easily jumped in, solved the problem, but then that same problem is going to come again. And as we grow, it's going to, you know, times by 10 times by 20. And then all of a sudden I I can't continue to solve these problems. So I knew that was, you know, the right approach to coach, train and lead her through the challenge so that next time she'd be able to handle it on her own. But I was very nervous to tell that to her where she was the frontline staff. And I'm telling her, I wouldn't actually solve it for you. I would try to coach you through it. So I remember clearly during that time being like, she might not like this answer, but I think it's the best for Vita as a company and for her growth as well.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And So one of the things we asked afterwards, because, you know, there was a big debate about the other individual and you. And it was kind of like there was likability that came up a lot. And not that people didn't like you, but the other individual really (laughs) liked her and really liked her. And then the question was, who would you follow? Who can lead you? And then it became clear. It became clear for the group to say, no, Andrew, I think we would we would we would follow his lead, right? And so they That's picked you as a lead. I'd like I don't to,
2: I'd like to find out who the people were that said that I wasn't likable just so I no, could no, talk
1: no. to them. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> the other candidate came out, she was so likable. Oh my gosh, she's so lovely, right? And so it's hard, you just like the person. For sure. Um, and sometimes you get caught in an interview with likability, right? You really get caught there. And so, yeah, look, it was, I'm glad. And the other thing I was thinking, Andrew, about the interview is, was it, different for you because naturally in where your your career path was probably going towards a a senior sales leader running a sales team. This was very different. There was zero sales. I I remember talking to you saying, look, I just think you're an incredible leader of people, you know, and that's an interesting skill. Not many have it, especially for a young, talented person like yourself, What were your thoughts? Did you, did did that not land well? Did you have to really think about that? Because it was a bit of a shift of where you were probably thought you're heading.
2: Yeah. I, I, I had to think about it a lot. Um, Not just because of the career path, but you know, the, the time that I had invested in sales, whether it was, you know, trips that I had gone on for sales training uh, a, a lot of my education was, was involved in sales but I think what it allowed me to do was be reflective on, you know, not just okay, what am I focused on right now? What what is my path right now? But who I am as an individual, and I, and I think I knew inherently in myself that I've always been good at leadership, um, right. even before my career on sports teams. You know, I, I you know was named captain in my friend group a lot of the time. For some reason, I just managed to be the person that people would come to for advice or would sort of guide people, and I think. When I started to reflect on, okay, who am I as a person? I think my skills truly did lie in leadership, but I think it it, it definitely was you know, a big risk. All of a sudden, just flipping my career on its head right. and diving into to Vita with a completely different role than I had been mm-hmm. doing for the last ten years.
1: Different industry, different role. Yes. Right. This I, is real estate. You were in you were in uh, tourism sales, right?
2: Exactly. So yes. it was completely different. It was like taking a dive off the deep end. I had people in my life being like, whoa, 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 like who, who are these people? What are you doing? You've had nothing but success. Well, in this organization, why would you jump ship? And you know, I, I would really say that I'd give credit to the interview process, getting to know you, getting to know the team, um, not leaving a stone unturned. Like there was no pulling the wool over my eyes. I, I really did feel comfortable. And I feel like once I was through the interviews, I knew what I was getting into before my first day. Like it was right. not a surprise me showing up to the office. I, I, I felt good about what I was doing, but it certainly was a, a big change for sure.
1: And that let's, let's go into the culture now, because it was, I believe, you know, you came from family business, which is more, you know, traditional and formal. You came to unorthodox, untraditional, uh, progressive, I'll call it you know, you're in the office of where we started. So you're in one of our side rooms there. I can see uh, we don't have any yeah. offices in the office. There was, it's always been unlimited vacation, never have to come to the office. How did that stuff feel when you first started? Confusing, exciting, everything? Yeah. What- it
2: Confusing for sure. Both, both confusing and exciting. Um, there was a little, if I'm being totally honest, it was a little bit of like, can Can this actually be real? like is is this legit? Like, can I actually have unlimited vacation? But I think as I poked at that, which I know I did in our initial conversations, it, it, it was clear to me to understand, okay, but we are result based. So to me, I understood doesn't mean you're going to take half the year off and, and and not look at your email. It meant if your responsibilities and in, in the metrics that you're, Role is focused on are achieved, then you can take vacation. And I think once you wrap your head around that, it, it makes a lot more sense. But um, I, I was I was definitely excited because I felt like in the role I was previously, there were days that, you know, I had completed everything I had to. But you know, you got to stare at your watch until five o'clock before you can consider going down into your car and going home to your family, even though you really have nothing left to do. Isn't
1: that so interesting? A, yeah. And the other intent is flexibility, right? Because it's, you know, I know you uh, took your daughter to the Wiggles, I think it was last week, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I actually, you know, I hate to do this live on the air, but (laughs) you went on your own. I don't really think, I don't think you brought... Little P to the Wiggles, I, yeah. You know, no, I,
2: we. I think we'd have a problem if I was going <laughs> there by myself. Um, might raise but, a
1: few eyebrows, but no, it was but great. Back, yeah, but, but but back to that. It, it's really the also the intent, not just what you said, but it's 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 meant for flexibility. So if you want to go to the Wiggles on a Monday, you just go. You know, if you, yeah. someone needs to do something for you that morning, then just line up and they can do it. But if you need to go work out in the afternoon, go for a bike ride. It's meant so you can do that, and there isn't this pressure of. Oh God, I can't because maybe i maybe I can knock off a half hour early today. It's no, if you need it, go do it. Just look after your crap you know
2: exactly and and I know in my experience since being here, that changes everything like i I personally believe I'm more productive. The product I put in is better if you know if if I need a workout at eleven a m one day, I would guarantee my productivity is better by getting that workout in for the remainder of the day as opposed to you know, having, you know, all this energy and not being able to, to get fitness in. And then all of a sudden I might be working more hours, but I'm certainly not as focused or productive.
1: Let's go to that one. Obviously one of our benefits here, and I don't even remember it's, do we provide two workouts a month? Two per month. Yes. Two per month. And then you can buy some more on your own, right? Exactly. And and so we have a personal trainer, Arnold Smith, um, who we've been doing business with for quite some time. And Arnold provides two workouts per month, either by zoom or we have a small gym at the office. And then we, we, we use uh, a coach, Justine uh, Galvin on the coaching side. And, and I, I think we do two, four sessions a year and then you can pick up some of your own. What were your thoughts on that? Do you use both services? And, and was that weird that your company's involved? Is that, is that, are they pushing the, you know, was it seen as like, this is not your business. Don't get involved in that part of my life. What, what were your thoughts?
2: No, not, not for me. I I was wowed by it. Like those were two um, huge value adds to me. And I use every single one of the sessions. And I actually, not just myself with the personal training, my wife actually purchases additional sessions with me. And to me, I just think it's incredible. I think it promotes not only a healthy lifestyle for, you know, your your team, but I think, like I said, previously, getting that fitness in during a day clears my head. It gets me refocused on what I need to do. And so I know every day that I have one of those workouts, the product in the energy that I bring is going to be better than it than otherwise.
1: Yeah. I love it. That's great. And the other sessions, the coaching, you you utilize that works well? Every, yeah, every single one. Yeah, that's great. Justine does a fantastic job with really just, you know, poking at your blind spots and helping you through through deep coaching, deep questioning, which you know, that came up when I wrote the second book. I was like, you know, as much as people would say, Oh yeah, Ron, you're a coach. I, I'm really not, I'm not a coach. I'm a, I'm a mentor advisor. I, I can motivate people, but I'm not a deep coach. I don't have that skill of, of incredible patience and asking questions and questions and questions to drive someone to a different result. I actually don't do a good job of that. So we outsource that. And so you find that's, that's been helpful.
2: Yeah. And it's been helpful, I think to myself professionally, but personally, right. um, And, you know, that's something I've been passionate about for a number of years, you know, is how important, you know, both your professional life and your personal life are and how connected they are. And I think she has a very unique skill set of being able to make you, like you said, by asking questions, come to the realizations yourself and sort of guide some decision making skills, both in and outside of, of professional work and to me it's, it's made a huge impact. And, and I go to every single session, it's guided conversations that I, I was going to have with you, it's guided um, conversations I needed to have with customers with building ambassadors with um, also with my wife outside of work. So I think it like holistically, it's, it's been very right. helpful um, to have somebody that you can spend the time with um, to, to get that coaching that you you need. I think everyone does. I, I Absolutely. truly believe that.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, cause I, and we talk about this a lot in the podcast. I believe that it, as, as corporations or it um, doesn't matter if it's nonprofit government, wherever you work as employers, our job is to bring out the best in people. And for that, you should get, you should ask for the best in them. You should ask for the results. And so we're constantly, as you know, pushing to do that. Um, what about, yeah. What are your thoughts on, cause you know, I, I hear lots of different groups talk about a four hour work day and, you know every second friday off or or once a month on the uh, uh, you know on the summer times you take friday off i always and i probably don't like those things cuz i like flexibility and autonomy and we use the once a month life day right where you it's your life day do what you want go go to the wiggles go hang out with your grandparents whatever you want but i like the autonomy of you pick it. not the, the the business doesn't get to tell you when you get that one day off and so i'm probably not as vocal about that but what do you think about the life day and versus us telling you, look, every third Tuesday, you have off and plan it for you.
2: Yeah, I, I think to me, especially, you know, and I think it, it, it's for everyone. But I, I think for myself, with a young family, you know, with a, a daughter under two, another child on the way, which I'm not even sure you're aware of. <laughs> <bombshell. Whoa. laughs> um, but so for me, I think life comes at you so fast. And especially for myself, I'm really focused on on family, friendships, travel, I I think it has to be flexible for it to have the true meaning. And, you know, if, if it was a set day, then all of a sudden, you're trying to work your schedule around it, as opposed to, you know, it working around your schedule. And then that way, you get the true value of having the day off.
1: Right, right. Yeah, you know, and and for those who are listening, the life day, actually, it was actually it came from me, because during the pandemic, I don't know if you know the story of where this is created, Andrew, but during the okay. pandemic, yeah. I mean, as you know, I've got three young kids um, under the age of six. And when the pandemic was happening, I was like, you know, I was working. It was the old house that we had. And I had the little basement apartment. And I was like, God, I just, I go to work downstairs and then I come up and then I'm, I'm, I'm with the kids, which is great, but I'm with the kids. So my transition time is eight steps, right? And then I'm into the family. And, and then on the weekends, I'm with the kids, you know, nine to nine and when they crash. And so I was just like, I just need a day. I need a day to just clean out the garage. I need a day to do nothing. I need a day to go to the spa. I need, I just need a day. And, and the weekends weren't working anymore. I wasn't getting a day. And so my weekends, my life changed to, I don't get the weekends to relax anymore. They're actually busier with the children. And so I was like, you know, I'm just going to implement this life day because I need it. And if I need it, everyone should, should probably might need it too. Uh, and so that's where it came from.
2: Yeah. And it like when I tell it to people, they don't believe that it's real. <laughs> 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 They're like, they say that, but don't, don't take it. But no, like it's, it's, there is actually a pressure from, you know, everyone in the team to take it. Like it's not right. just there um, if you need it. It's like. Hey, you didn't take your life day in October. Like, make sure mm-hmm. you take it. And I think that's really cool because it it shows the team that you're prioritizing their well being. Because let's face it, you need you need a day, like you said, yeah. everyone does. So it's
1: cool. Yeah. What else? And what else do you find unique that you um, have been seeing now over the last year that that might be different from what you've seen? What are the impacts of some of those things?
2: Gosh, I think we covered a few things that are very unique. I think the the flexibility for, for sure. Um, one thing that I tell people about all the time and kind of comes back to being a sports fan, um, is the daily huddle. I think that is invaluable to our business, especially when you have, you know, folks who might be at home in the office, um, you know, traveling, what have you, um, the huddle to me is just a quick check-in across the entire team. Um, that I think is very unique and at a unique time slot of 1152, which some people might think, why would you pick that? But it actually makes it possible to have an 1130 call and a 12 PM call. Um, So to me, I I don't know if the listeners would know what the huddle is, but, but I would say that's very unique.
1: Yeah. I'd say our two most impactful and important communication rhythms uh, and meetings are the daily huddle. And, and that reminds me, I want to talk about Friday's huddle for a sec. And then the other one is quarterly planning. Like we do quarterly planning. We don't miss a beat. We've never missed a beat two days. Uh, and Andrew, I know those, those were new meetings for you. What are your thoughts on the quarterly planning? And then I want to come back to Friday huddle.
2: Yeah, no. It, and that was honestly, one of my biggest reasons for joining Vita, if I'm being, you know, completely honest one I would say I was impressed by you as an individual. So I I, I really wanted to, to put my chips in on that and, and jump on. And then secondly, it was the idea that we questioned the status quo. Um, I felt like, you know, regardless of where I was going in, in my previous career, you know, great title corner office, you know, you would argue I had everything I wanted for, for somebody who was under 30. But what I really wanted was to be empowered to make decisions that impacted the business. I felt like I had I had things to give and I wanted to, you know, be involved in strategic decisions working on the business. And that was something that gives me energy, something that I wanted to, to experience and be empowered by. And I thought, wow, how crazy and cool is this that the business will stop. Of course, mission critical items will continue, but legitimately, everyone will go to these strategic uh, quarterly planning sessions, and we'll rip the business apart. and And everyone's involved. And I just thought that was so different than a lot of experiences I had had, which was a very small, select group of of people would make the decisions, and then the staff would be responsible to implement them, even if it wasn't. You know something they had uh, input on uh, the strategy moving forward. so to me that is just I, I love that that gets me fired up to go and and rip the business apart and and have a say and 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 make an impact on where we're going
1: Th- thanks andrew and and uh, I agree and look that's that's what makes it exciting the business is a different business every six months and the one thing we always do is we always have a front line uh it, lately for the last few quarters have been Sandra uh, from our office joining us because we don't want to plan for someone who's not in the room it's not it's not right' We're to not have their feedback to not have them to have a voice at the table and so so that's great. Go back to the Friday huddle. What are your thoughts on yeah. friday? I know martin our c o o talked about it in an interview with Jared, uh, who's our controller as one of his highlights. What are your thoughts on friday huddle?
2: yeah, so uh, for those who don't know, the Friday Huddle, uh, what we do is um, we make uh, a point for each person to share their highs of the week, um, whether it be, uh, you know, milestones that, that Vita hit or personal achievements, um, just something that was was your high of the week. But then we also have uh, show outs. So we'll shout out co-workers for um, different things that they've done. So to me, it's cool. Everyone leaves that meeting happy. It it ends the week on a high and, you know, it recognizes people's hard work. Um, I I think I would be surprised if anybody on our team said they don't like Friday huddle.
0: Yeah, it really is a,
2: a really cool, um, experience. And I think I've been in meetings previously where, you know, you share your highs and your lows, and although some productivity can come from the lows, it's cool to have this meeting. It just brings positive energy. Let's just talk about success. Let's keep ourselves motivated and and working towards the common goal.
1: It does kind of balance off the shit that you went through for the week. It kind of says, wow, okay, well, there was so much good stuff and does. It's nice to, it's nice to end the week with a, wow, that's great versus a, Oh, thank God the week's over. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think it can be like the feeling of getting a shout out yourself is really cool. Like, you know, wow! Somebody actually noticed that I I I did this this week. So I think that is is also really motivating. But I think collectively, just to to see what the business has accomplished week in week out, is definitely energizing.
1: So let let's go back to where we almost started. We had the fact that you lead forty to I think I think I was giving a presentation in Miami the other day on our business, and I think I counted forty seven. It might have been. Building ambassador, something like that. Might have been forty-three. I can't remember now. So you're you're pretty darn close. Um, very flat organization. Not a lot of hierarchy here. Everything is is more of the supportive. Yes, we have checks and balances, accountability, and as you know, um, when you have a very strict org chart, um, things. Are black and white they're black and white you know what works or sorry what you can or can't do how to get approval what you can or can't do um it's harder to get things approved it can be slow as molasses bottlenecks and bureaucracy kind of happen and then you have what we do which is flat nimble chaotic right sometimes it's very chaotic and there's a lot of um there's a lot of energy that goes into designing the org chart and redesigning and because of growth and then how do we redesign it now what are your thoughts you you came from that now you're in this what are your thoughts on this kind of redesigning of org charts and flat structure if you had to speak objectively about both
2: yeah I think I think when you're in the strict org chart you know it's you're always asking up at least that was my experience like you're you're sort of not making a decision you need somebody else's approval to make the decision and whether that goes up to one person and then they have to go up to another person it can really slow things down especially when you're working in a business like ours where you know we're growing and learning and we're focused on innovation so i feel like when you're trying to pilot a new initiative you know if if you had to get approval then all of a sudden you know, you might be waiting three weeks before you get to go ahead um, to even start down that path when in our system, you know, it might be chaotic, we might not have all the answers right up front. But in three weeks, you might have already learned five things that you wouldn't know otherwise. Right. Um, so, so I think for me personally, it's cool because you, you know, you get to, you actually get to try, you get to innovate, you, you can think iteratively and see if you can, you know, make an impact on your ideas. You you have the autonomy to move, but I think that extends to our frontline staff. They are more invested and motivated um, in their role because they feel like they have an impact, what what their thoughts, their experiences are. Um, you know, they don't necessarily have to go through hoops and and multiple people to see if they can try something at their building. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that we just say, go run, do whatever you want. There is expectations, there's, you know, key performance indicators, there's, you know, there's communication rhythms. Um, And I think one thing that you talk about a lot, the decision making process as well, um, which can also guide them in a decision they face without having to, you know, work up the chain to get that answer. Mm. So it's, it's, it's very different than anything I have ever done before. And I think, for some people, it's energizing, and, and that's how I feel. Um, for somebody who, who doesn't want to have that autonomy, it might be a, a different world. It might not fit. So I think as much as um, you know, we see the value in it, for certain people, it might not work.
1: No, that, that's right. And I always say, look, there, there's no right or wrong. This is like olives. People either really like that or they don't. And yeah. we've found when we haven't, I think when we haven't really communicate enough in the screening process if someone's joined the organization uh, and they've left because of that they said this is way too unorthodox i'd rather be in the box i might have socialized the idea and thought it was neat but once i've gotten here it's no good and it, it's it's i'm going to use the word divisive it it, it allows people to say wow i'd really like to be a part of that or that is just out to lunch i don't want to be there no right or wrong yeah Great. um what else andrew what, what else um what else is something unique that you've seen that would be different? And that's one question. Then I have a second question for you. Anything else that stands out that is interesting that maybe you talk about when you're out for a coffee or, or, or a sports game with your friends and they say, what's going on over there?
2: Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I, I think one thing we chatted about the other day, um, you know, my wife getting, getting a letter in the mail, thanking her, um, and, and giving her, uh, some some cash, which I thought was something that was very unorthodox and unique and and really shocked me, but I think the message was you know we want you to know that we understand the role that you play in supporting your husband to be involved in this business and I thought that was very unique. Um, I would say,
1: and how did that land Andrew? I know we talked about it because so so just to break that down, we you know we want to be an organization that celebrates people's milestones one year or three year or five year and, and typically we haven't done that and that's a look in the mirror, mirror moment for me where i just you know those dates just fly. i don't even know how old i am half the time and so uh and being dyslexic and stuff i just those those dates just don't impact me and and i don't even know how old the company is a lot, a lot of times um so those things aren't on my radar it doesn't mean that's right it doesn't mean that that's not important to someone else and we said look that's an opportunity to really button that up and so One of the things we decided to do was to thank families, and so uh, I wrote a letter to Andrew's uh, wife and his daughter. Even she'll be able to read it someday. Uh, And just about you know, really, what Andrew said is is what thanking them as a supportive family and us thanking them for allowing Andrew to work here and and knowing that that can be tough sometimes because we're trying to do some big things. And and a small gift of appreciation. How did it land at home?
2: Yeah, it was you know remarkable to be honest. Like she my wife she was so shocked by it uh like she was almost just like why like why why am i getting this but i think as she started to digest it she understood the message which was what you said giving me the opportunity you know there's going to be times where you know we're, we're working on a really important integration and i might have to spend a few extra hours focused on the work to get it done um so i think thanking her it, it really landed because it was something she had never experienced before um she was really excited to go to Amazon right away and, and, and spend the money, I think, was, was huge. So I think both the letter and, not going to lie, the money had a, a nice little impact. Um, right. But yeah, she shared it with my parents, with her parents. Um, so I think it was something that she was shocked but impressed by.
1: Well, look, I'm glad to hear that. Um, my second question is, what have, it's been a year and change now, right? What have you learned about yourself through working here that you didn't know before? It's a good question. Um,
2: I think that I learned that if things are looked at differently, different outcomes can be achieved. And by that, I mean, had you hired me and said, hey, there's going to be a team of 47 building ambassadors and you're going to be responsible for <laughs> for their accountability, for coaching, for for everything. I would think you're crazy there's no way I can do it. Um so I do think learning that there's different ways to to approach situations I think was was something that I learned where maybe before I I didn't think that would have been possible. Um I think I might have known already about you know, my leadership skills, but I don't think I'd ever really put them to practice at this scale. So I think I learned that, you know, the hunch that I had that I, I could be, you know, a supportive leader and coach is something that I think I've proven uh, since I've been here. So that was, you know, something that I always thought I could do, but now I've actually proved it to myself that I can do it, which, which was pretty empowering. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I would say those were the two, two key takeaways.
1: And let's go back. You you touched on it again there about kind of leading a 45-person team. And and I think some people do scratch their heads because, you know, there's been management books for years that have said, I, I don't know, I think it's seven people is the optimal number. And if you have one-on-one coaching meetings once a week with those seven people, we don't have that. You know, we view coaching as we're here when you need us. And if we're coaching you proactively, if you don't, if that's what you haven't asked for, it's not a great sign in this organization, you know? Um, yeah we believe that if you build a system process and support, then you can lead navigate guide lots of people because you're just navigating and guiding. You're not telling people what to do. Would that be accurate here? What are your thoughts as I'm saying that? Because of course, when you came in, you thought, look, there's no way. If you told me I have to lead 45 people, I couldn't do it.
2: Yeah, no, I, well, I think that's just it. And, And it comes down to process. It comes down to systems. Um, And I think that is the key, you know, we use technology, there's, uh, you know, learning systems, they can use Vita University to get the skills they need. But then I think one of the biggest things is having a network amongst themselves, which I think I, of course, can assist in by identifying folks that might be an expert at a specific skill or, um, you know, really good during these situations but there's also just that organically builds based on our culture. So we have, you know, a few different places, one being workplace where it's like a a Facebook that they can tap into for the organization, share ideas, best practices, upstate, update each other on milestones. You know, it's a very interactive, um, I guess, internal social media, which, you know, there's posts every single day, multiple posts. Um, But then I, so I think, having those experts and knowing who they can go to, it helps them be able to, you know, guide each other, I think, which is very, very powerful, as opposed to always having to go to one specific person for Mm -hmm. guidance. When you have people who can do it 10 times better than me, you might, you know, you might have the majority of the BAs could solve a problem better than myself. So why not have them tap into each other's potential? I think that is a key element. Um, And I think, I really do think it comes down to process and systems like there is clear process for different aspects of their role uh, in they get the the coaching or sorry, the training when they go through Vita university, but then they also have lifetime supports, whether it be technology that assists them and guides them um, or direct access to to our our office team, not just their colleagues uh, on the front lines, which I think is Quite different they you know they don't have to have a a middle person where they go to to you know then relay an answer from it from a different person they have direct access to each department so if there's a building ambassador who has a question for you ron they pick up the phone and they call you and that saves so much time and and i think that that is you know in in thinking out loud that's probably the most important part of the model i would say
1: you know it's i was thinking andrew when you were talking about that, because people I think that hear about these types of organizations think that they're too chaotic. They're chaotic because we grow and there's no playbook. And so there is no playbook. And, and we always go back between what do we centralize and what do we decentralize? And typically in a, in a perfect world, we, uh, we centralize support systems, resources, and then we decentralize the decision-making. That's really where we want to be as we scale. Yeah. And, but you, you have to build systems for that. But I think from the outside looking and people say it's just chaos and they probably don't have systems where I, I think that, excuse me, formal organizations in a lot of cases might lack systems because they have individual knowledge and the person has the knowledge. Am I wrong from your experience, you know, from where you came from in the past were they, were they buttoned up with technology and systems or where would you score us with, a, with against other organizations from a systems process uh, perspective? Oh
2: quite high it's it's not just that you know quote unquote tribal knowledge or, or something where you have a an individual who has you know all the answers a lot of the time that means you don't need a process because you just go to to bob for for that answer whereas we i think would score very high i mean i i would give us a a nine or a ten out of ten for for systemizing because we don't rely on somebody's internal knowledge to, to solve a problem. We always, always talk about, um, you know, how, what is the process we have it mapped out on our task mapping. Um, and, and I think that is truly what separates us. and makes it possible to live amongst the chaos. It is by having these these right. established processes.
1: And one, one thing that I'm, uh, I talk about a lot, and I'd love the uh, listeners to hear in real time. So I always say, look, if you, if you really are a culture driven business, uh, which I, as, as I think you do, believe that's the way to build a successful organization, um, that you screen for your values, you onboard with your values, you coach and then celebrate your values. High level, that's how it works. But the last piece is you update your values you look at your company culture and your values like you do a system or process and say wow this needs to be updated it's down 2.0 it needs to be 3.0 4.0 because of what we've learned you know have you been in an organization that that lived their values and what are your thoughts on on us and maybe you can describe how we've updated them even in the year that you've been here and not maybe not down to the specifics but just generally what your thoughts on on, on that are yeah, well, I think even as
2: recently as our last quarterly uh, strategy meeting, we reviewed our values. Um, we go through them at every single quarterly meeting. You know, not just for the new hires who um, we want to make sure that they understand, but for everyone to say, you know, has anything popped up in this last quarter that you know has us questioning what our values are, whether it be modifying, adding, um, you know, the to the values. But I think the values it starts you talk, talked about the values in our initial phone call like before we even got to an interview we talked about the values so i think for an from an alignment and a uh, a culture standpoint it's critical like we we need uh you know everyone to be i guess rowing in the same direction and i think that leads to to success innovation and productivity um but I think a lot of the time, values end up being, yeah, they're on a piece of paper slapped on the wall, or you know they're on the website. But you walk in around many businesses and ask them, hey, what are your values? Do you know them? Most people would say no. I, I, at least that was my experience. With us, it's like, you get questioned your first quarterly. Hey, what are our values? And I remember having to answer that my very first quarterly, and I think it shows or it sets the precedent that these aren't just written. It's not just fluff. These aren't just for the outside looking in. Like this is how we live and breathe at the organization. It's fundamentally different.
1: Absolutely. And I think there's nothing worse really for those leaders out here that, that might have this experience where they're talking about, it, they're proud of their values, but then they know that someone like an Andrew will come in the organization and be like, that was a crock of BS. Cause no one's living this. They don't even know, like no one knows about this that that happens a lot the continuity of these things you know i always go back to a story about martin <clears throat> who's our coo who called me out on a huddle on a decision we were making and he he read our values in, t- in front of the entire group and i was like oh my goodness this has finally come true yeah because you know, that's that is was a great sign for me of being called out and have the organization called out based on our own values it was it was phenomenal
2: and i think i mean i've had similar instances when i've use them when I'm having a tough conversation. And I think when you're up to date in your values, in your, you know, relentlessly reviewing them and ensuring that they're up to date and reflective of where you are and where you want to be as a business, they can guide tough conversations. And I know personally, I've had a number of times where, you know, maybe the tough conversation is getting to a point where there's high emotions or or people are upset and instead of it becoming, you know, a personal disagreement, I can just tie it back to the values. Like here are our values and here's where there's a misalignment. And I find it's much easier to have those tough conversations when you're, it's not just a feeling or an emotion. It's, Hey, this is like, you know, these are our values. This is what we do. And then it's also easier for others to then perceive maybe where they went wrong. It's like, Oh yes. Like, Right. It's not, I, personal. I wasn't living, I wasn't living our values. Like right. In, right. So it, it's guided
1: me. I know in, in quite a few
2: conversations.
1: Good. Well, Andrew, anything else, you know, that comes to mind that, that as we come to the end, anything else we haven't talked about that you is, you think is worthwhile uh, for someone to hear. And first look, as you think about it, thanks for your time. Um, I love, obviously uh, it's great to spend time with you. And I love hearing your perspective on it. Um, yeah. Anything else we haven't talked about? In other words, I have maybe one last question for you. What else, what else have we not talked about that maybe you thought about or, or th- something you're thinking about? What's the problem you're trying to solve right now? What's the problem tight. I'm trying to solve right now? Um,
2: you know, nothing really jumps out. I, I wish I had something top of mind right now, but I don't think I do. Um, well, let me ask I, I, you this.
1: If if you could wave a, a magic wand and change one thing about our culture, if you could improve one thing, what would it be?
2: could improve one thing. See, I think this is where it's tough because you've asked us this so many times that we've given our thoughts on. So it's hard to think, okay, where can we change this? Because really it's something that we're, we're adding to um, all the time and i hate to dodge your question that way Don't but you dodge um, you know maybe it, it can make me talk about you know i i think not that i think there's something to be improved upon but to my point where i i truly think it's something we're can, we're constantly looking at and i think it's similar to the values um is that we're constantly trying to improve our culture and you know we do so many unique things whether it be um you know our welcome lunches. I I think they're, they're fundamentally different. The person's first, first day with the team, they, you know, they get to pick the food they want. They get a cool gift. It's we're playing, we're playing games, getting to know each other. So, you know, we do all kinds of great stuff, but I just think that is, that's what's fundamentally different about our culture is we, we truly want to be the best, I think in the world for, for, for company culture. And, And I think we'll continue to strive to be that. Um, you know, going through some, without getting too personal here, I, I recently had a really tough point in my life where, you know, I, I, I was going through the loss of my father, which to, to me was something that, you know, I, I'd i never gone through an experience like that. Like he was my go-to person, um, talked to him every single day, talked to him about, you know, decisions I was making in my life, asking for guidance. He was a sounding board. so So I was going through a hard time. Like, no no sugar coating it and and then to see the support from the team like this might not be something that's written in our um in our culture but you know food delivery coming to my house I wasn't worried about meals for 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 a long time after going through it I, there was food delivery there was you know things showing up at my house every day there was you know the the understanding that I could take the time I needed and the team would cover regardless of what we were going through as an organization so to be honest, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to BS it, but I really do think the culture is, is second to none. And I, I can't, you know, I can't think of a magic wand play that would improve it unless, you know, we get LeBron James speaking to the team. That's the only thing I can think of. All right. All right. We'll make
1: it. happen. <laughs> you got Russ Cortnell for the. Yeah, true, the welcome. true. That was cool. That was cool for sure. Russ Cornell, the old hockey player, is a, a good friend of mine. And I knew Andrew was a sports fan, so I had him send a video welcoming Andrew uh, to the team. That must have kind of threw you off guard, did it?
2: Yeah, it was impressive, to be honest. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And, well, Andrew- uh, and no, I think sorry, Majumder, Majumder, too, was pretty cool to see.
1: Too. Yeah, yeah, Sean's been great. Yeah, he's popped in on some huddles and some different things. Well, Andrew, look, uh, and thanks for sharing that. Uh, I really appreciate you being vulnerable there. Thanks uh, thanks for joining me uh, on the show and thanks for the work you do. And uh, let's keep uh, kicking butt and let's keep building a world-class culture. Awesome. Appreciate it, Ron. Thanks for having me.
0: For more information about Andrew, please follow him on LinkedIn. To learn more about our books or the Scaling Culture Masterclass, please go to scalingculture.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a comment and share the podcast with one of your friends or colleagues. We'll be back soon with another incredible guest.